I recently asked Jake, who is a sophomore in high school, why he uses SpikeView to share his learning journey. Um, I think it's really cool that you know SpikeView is really putting that abstract into con concrete data and knowledge and then displaying that to the outside world. And I think SpikeView is different than anything else out there. Um, like I said before, because it's really taking that, you know, the, that those abstract skill sets and those abstract experiences and putting them into data that, you know, is actually mathematic and scientific and, um, you know, that matches you up with the best programs and, um, you know, best places for you. People, um, you know, who are really trying to make those changes in the world and they're going to be using SpikeView because SpikeView is that app where you can, you know, take, take those experiences and take those passions and put them out there. Um, and share with other people and that's you know that's really powerful and that you know that professional networking piece um, you know to be with other like-minded teenagers that puts you ahead that puts you ahead in a lot of ways and so um, you know I think anyone who uses SpikeView right now has a leg up in the future and excited to see you know where those SpikeView alumni head up. Head to SpikeView.com. Start your portfolio now for free. Have you ever thought about creating courses and training online? Without a partner to guide you through that process, you're going to be stressed about why your learners aren't engaged or how to create updated content, missing revenue opportunities, and not even having enough time. I know because I create online courses and I have a solution for you, eLearning Partners. You don't have to be overwhelmed anymore. Become a partner with eLearning Partners to create your courses and training stress-free and achieve the results you want to see. If you are thinking about wanting to create a course or training online and you believe like I believe that no expertise should go unheard, then click the eLearning Partners link in the notes of this podcast and you can start your journey to create your courses and training stress-free. If you want all that and more from the eLearning Partners, hit the link in the podcast notes because there's a free masterclass for you to take. That's right, a free masterclass. Hit that link today. Episode 10, we're in a double digits, Disrupt Education. Isaiah Maker in the house. What's up, what's up? Entrepreneur, let's go. What are you all about, man? All right, so technically, I started off as more so doing spoken word poetry, and obviously attended Oak Park and River Forest High School from 2005 to 2009. Originally, used to have the fear of public speaking, had social anxiety, hated poetry, Joined the Spoken Word Club and it transformed me, but then I realized these skills that I gained from performing were also utilized in the classroom in other ways. So when I went to the University of Illinois Chicago, I conducted research on how poetry could be used in the classroom to enhance and sustain student engagement. From the results of my research, it proved how you can use uh, performance skills for teaching, you could use performance skills in the workplace. And I was like, you know what? I want to start doing this. I want to start showing people and training and developing them on how they can take these skills of performance and these skills of communication and transfer it over into whatever it is that they're doing. Right, that's amazing because mm -hmm. what, what you have blossomed into this section of HR really mm -hmm. and looking into how companies hire um, they want outside the box, yet they don't really want to go outside mm -hmm. the box. And, and you're kind of in that realm. 
Um, tell us, like, how, how is that changing? Like, you, you mentioned the teaching piece, right? Uh -huh. um, and how teachers are kind of putting a box in education. Yeah. Uh, and you're working with a few <laughs> colleges and such about that. Um, how can it be different? Yeah, so like with me, for instance, I, it's tough for me to sit down for a long period of time mm -hmm. and just to listen to someone lecture. And I also, my best creative thinking comes from movement. So the class I taught at Roosevelt University from the research that I did was how teaching in essence is a performance. So what I did, instead of presenting my research, I performed it. Right. Went over the nonverbal and verbal communication skills that I used through my performance slash presentation. And these were undergraduate freshmen who were learning to become educators. So it's introducing them to this new way of how teaching is a performance, but how can you use poetic devices and right. certain nonverbal communication skills such as your hands. I'm using yeah, it right, right now. It's, right. it's tough not to do it. <laughs> I need how can, mic. <laughs> how can you use these skills and these tactics to engage some of the most disengaged students? Because it's not necessarily the content. It's how the delivery of the content right. is what dictates whether someone's engaged or not. So after that first day, um, broke them off into groups, math educators, history educators, early childhood and I gave them the task of teaching a lesson plan five to ten minutes mm -hmm. anything that is in accordance to whatever subject you want to teach however right. you have to incorporate metaphors, similes, alliteration and all these performance techniques so the right. following week we had a group of educators who taught about history mm -hmm. Boston Tea Party they taught it in storytelling form so that was one aspect of spoken word yeah. second group uh, math educators. Now mm -hmm. they taught about how to simplify fractions using metaphors and analogies. Wow. And they used like these dinner table settings. So mm -hmm. if 20 people come over for, for dinner and you have pies, how do you have to divide them? So creating uh, this. It's authentic learning in there too. And it creates, so metaphors and analogies yeah. create visuals. So yes. then the students have a better understanding of, okay, now I know how to go about simplifying it, but it's also this realistic mm -hmm. application because there might be a time you're throwing a party, you right. have to figure it out how many right. guests, how much food. Then the last group, I think it was early childhood, they mm -hmm. wrote a rap, yeah. a verse and a hook on the rules of playing freeze tag. Uh, so they considered their audience mm -hmm. early childhood so they made sure okay if we're uh, going to teach early childhood students yeah we have to make sure it's fine have this jingle into it same with the history having the storytelling and then even with math because right. students that's your audience the teacher in essence is an artist right the front of the classroom is a stage and your lesson plan that's like your spoken word piece that is powerful and the that dean of the uh, university came in there and he said, man, I've never seen them engaged like this. And I'm thinking right. like, okay, that was me just piloting this. Right, right. What else can I do? How can I expand mm -hmm. and take this sort of philosophy or this theory on how these skills are transferable right, and right. create an extensive curriculum so that we can retrain Absolutely. what it means to teach? Yeah. Because yeah. I think there's one thing to teach and there's one thing to engage. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. That's amazing. What I like, uh, you know, I hear visual and, and authentic mm -hmm. in there, right? Like, so you're, you're creating, you're using your art and you're adapting. So I go right to math. My dad was mm -hmm. a math teacher. Okay. I get, my audience knows this. My, he's been a math teacher for 32 years. He's retired. Mm -hmm. It's more than just X, mm -hmm. right? There's, there's beauty in actually the equation but most people don't see it. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Uh, the Boston Tea Party thing, like, you know, that's, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. So you've also branched out now and you're looking yes. at that businesses mm -hmm. who are looking at hiring people who may not necessarily have the exact crisp, clean resume and, and kind of <laughs> giving them that different lens, mm -hmm. right? Tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about that. 
Yeah, so I don't know if I mentioned what I did at Granger Industrial Supply, if mm -hmm. anyone's familiar with the, mm -hmm. that company. So I came in, they were hosting a regional leadership forum for an organization called the Point Foundation. Right. And when I came in, I didn't know there were going to be employees from Granger that were going to participate in my workshop. So I did two different um, workshops. One was a community uh, poem workshop, one was an individual what it's like poem workshop. So this macro, micro approach. And I'm also touching on the same, like I said, some of the nonverbal communication skills, verbal communication skills that are needed in order to create these poems. So let's say it's a group of us, let's say it's imaginary four of us. I know there's only two right, of us, right. but let's say there's two more people <laughs> in front of us. Each of us have a sheet of paper in front with a line of poetry mm -hmm. that begins it. I gave each member 90 seconds to come up with another line that relates to the previous line. After those 90 seconds is out, we rotate mm -hmm. the sheets of paper. Right, right. And we did maybe 15 rounds of it, and I had music playing in the background, but the yeah. music play was used for two different purposes. Mm -hmm. One, it could be used as a guidance and reference for you to write. Yeah. Then other, it could be used as a distraction. So I taught them how can you create projects within mm -hmm. time-sensitive settings, mm -hmm as well as these distractions, but then right. also this intuitive creative thinking without having any game plan. These, these people who did these poems, they've mm -hmm. never worked together before. Right, right. They didn't know much about one yeah. another. They didn't know each other's skill sets. So when the 15 rounds was up, mm -hmm. they shared these poems. They were absolutely amazing. Yeah. And I remember the looks on their faces. Yeah. They were stunned because I asked them, I said, who in here writes poetry? Mm -hmm. No one raised their hand. A lot of them said, hey, I never, I'm not into poetry. One teacher actually ruined it for me. <laughs> he said a teacher ruined it because yeah. the teacher, I guess, put him on the spot and kept pushing him and he, he right, wasn't comfortable. Right. Yeah. And that stuck with him. He said, yeah. this stuck with me for 20, 30 years. He said, this was the first time where I actually really was receptive of it. He said, you actually helped me change my perception of it right. from what I, that, that one experience that I had. So I had them get outside of their heads mm -hmm. and executing ideas. And I said that the time frame was 90 seconds on purpose. If I gave you all like 10 minutes, a lot of y'all would be standing there waiting like, like man, what, I don't know what, what to doing? think. So with these, uh, with these companies and organizations, uh, the manager of corporate communications came up to me from Granger and he mm -hmm. said, you should consider doing this yeah. for other companies because he said, things like this in terms of this creative thinking and also getting to know each other's skill set and mm -hmm. just each other personally, it takes it could take so much time to That's do that but he said powerful. you just executed this within less than two hours right i mean you hit on like soft skills mm -hmm. uh, constructivism like all these things mm -hmm. and creativity getting people out of their comfort zone while they're still kind of comfort mm -hmm. and then disassembling it at the end and saying okay this is what happened this is what happens and then i didn't yeah. mention, i forgot i didn't mention the individual poems so mm -hmm. we had like i said we're at the, the macro with the community mm -hmm. then the micro so what role as an individual do you play within these communities so right. we had Employees write about what it's like to be, let's say, harassed at the workplace and not be able to tell your coworkers, mm -hmm. or what it's like to be adopted from another country, mm -hmm. having to come in and you know having right. to learn so many different, different things. Lenses. Yeah, and once they wrote these individual poems and they shared them, one of the uh, members that were part of the group they said, "Wow, I've I've known this person." Yeah. For you, well, at least I thought I did. Right. I did not know this about them, and then wow. once I have this understanding, I could treat them differently, kind of mm -hmm. in a good way, not like oh, sure, you know, yeah. isolated way. But now that I have this understanding of who you are as a person, how it feels to be this particular person, mm -hmm. it's like now we can. It's easier for us to work together. It's, it's something right. called uncertainty reduction theory. Mm -hmm. When you can reduce someone's uncertainty of you, it's mm -hmm. easier for you to build and establish a relationship with those. 
individuals. Let me take that theory now and that could transition <laughs> into mm -hmm. like say high school, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like we're not letting people be comfortable uh -huh. in different things like that. So I, I want to lead into the next question is, you know, as a, a system that we're in mm -hmm. and, and you were obviously somebody said, get on stage. And you're yes. like, nope, <laughs> not going to. Mm -hmm. And now you're on stage every day. Mm -hmm. What would it like? How would you visualize what you're doing being transformed into a high school or, mm -hmm. or into an educational system? I would definitely say something where the teacher is also immersed in the work and not necessarily just delegating yeah. or even someone who's more standoffish and kind of letting the students kind of curate their own experience. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes the teachers and educators were taught to micromanage right, in right. a sense. And I think when you micromanage, you're also indicating that you don't believe they're capable of. Yeah. doing whatever is assigned. Right. So doing something obviously that's also project-based, team, I, I call it team-based and project-paced. You see, I'm Ooh, integrating yeah, my like rhyme, so. Our, so <laughs> entrepreneur. Yeah, that's so awesome. doing something where obviously they're in teams, so they're getting to know one another, but then at the same time, they're also learning different styles of other right. students. So one student might be good at something that's hands-on or maybe detail-oriented, the mm -hmm. other one might be a better presenter. So how do you leverage the yeah. skill sets of your students in a way where they all flourish, but then at the same time as an educator, how would you know what their skill sets are? You have to somehow get to know them. And one thing that right. I'm pushing for, hopefully one day I can yeah. get you to do this, oh, yeah, yeah. a teacher poetry slam. Yeah, yeah. So the students are also getting a better understanding of who's teaching them. Right. Because I feel like students, they look at teachers as these hierarchical figures, like, <laughs> they're teaching me, but at the same time, right. a, a teacher is also a student. I love learning. And I feel them. like a student is also a teacher. Yeah. So we're ultimately we're on the same level right but I think it's this perception of what education has somewhat created where it's like oh you're supposed to be listening from me mm -hmm. I can't learn anything from you so you sit back and I'll t you know run the it's class. a um, it's a control versus creative mm -hmm. kind of it's it's that fight all mm -hmm. the time are we are we allowing students to learn or are we telling them what to learn so I didn't mention I'm the spoke word teaching artist at Percy Jordan right. Middle School, spoke word coordinator mm -hmm. with Oak Park F Foundation. And with the residencies, well, as artists, we go in and teach the seventh greatest poetry. What I'm right. trying to make a requirement mm -hmm. is for the teachers yeah. to share a poem. Yeah. Because typically after the residencies, the seventh grade winners, they go on to do the seventh grade poetry slam in the assembly. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I want the teachers right. to participate in this as well, because then you get to see them from a different perspective, mm -hmm. not just as a teacher, but I'm also one of you. I'm doing right. the work as right. well as assigning it. But ultimately, we're sharing the same, we're sharing pieces of ourselves right. that typically, you know, the first week of school, you have syllabus week, they might do some icebreakers, but right. it's like, come on, it shouldn't, it shouldn't stop I there. would love that to be just a grand, mm -hmm. big thing, right? Instead of, okay, because, you know, you come in the first day, eight different syllabi, here's the rules over and over and over again. <laughs> and it's like the icebreakers, like, I mean, come on, like, do you really think you're going to remember that throughout the whole... Right, right. I, I feel like maybe... Maybe once even a week or two weeks, something where you're getting to yeah. know that it could be something funny. It doesn't have to be right. like go around the room and say your favorite. Like it doesn't have to be anything like that, but yeah. something fun and subtle. Right. And something that also won't get on the students now is like, oh, here we go with this again. Right. You know, That's authentic. Right? Exactly. Like you, exactly. You, yeah. That, that I think with what you're, you're right on with teachers actually being involved, mm -hmm. because if we're sitting back and we're like, go do this. 
No one respects that, mm -hmm. right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's just like a manager or a boss. It's like, go do that, and I'm gonna go play golf. Yeah, and it's interesting. Yeah. I'm glad you made that comparison, mm -hmm. how the correlation of things that are going on in school and the workplace, they're dealing with a lot of the same challenges, yeah. whether it's engagement, micromanagement, mm -hmm. and not even knowing or understanding who you're working with. And I'm thinking like, that should be the foundation Right. of any job like how do you not know who you're working with uh, what type of skill sets they have with their background once you know that mm -hmm. it's easier to execute whatever project or whatever assignment you have right because you guys have an understanding it's almost like a football team where you have all these players but you don't even know what their skill sets are right, what position right. they play like that's yeah. weird isn't it yeah that's the way we're siloed so siloed exactly. especially like in the high school well mm -hmm. how can we how can we make that happen it's a pleasure having you, man. Oh, thank Isaiah you. I Baker. really appreciate it. Thank you. Episode 10, all his socials right around here. Um, dude, I really appreciate it. Um, check out his website. It's IsaiahMaker.com. Uh, yep. And there's everything out there. Uh, you're going places, man. Yeah, no, thank you. I really appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate you disrupting education, too. Thank you. Love it. Love it. <laughs> all right, man. Stay tuned. We're going to have some fun. Uh, we got a lot more coming up on shows. Keep disrupting.